Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Today on this special episode of Vitality Radio, I'm bringing you a superstar, at least in my view, a man who I absolutely have grown to love and appreciate uh, since I met him last fall at the Your Health Freedom Symposium. This guy is a medical doctor. His name is Dr. James Meehan. It's M-E-E-H-A-N. M-E-E-H-A-N. I highly recommend that once you've listened to him here, you go check him out on the Paul Thomas uh, podcast on uh, Children's Health Defense or or find him anywhere you can because he's got great information for you. If you have questions about anything you heard on Vitality Radio, of course, give us a call 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662 or check us out at Vitality nutrition.com. That's vitalitynutrition.com. We'll take care of you wherever you are. Today, we're going to talk about what to do if you're experiencing any kind of long haul symptoms from COVID, what to do if you're experiencing vaccine injury, and uh, what he's been doing as a doctor who has not bought into the uh, narrative put forth by our government and uh, what we can do to protect our health and our health freedom. That's all ahead with a fantastic guest. I'm so excited to bring this one to you. It's one of my favorite interviews that I've done. Uh, Dr. Jim uh, Meehan is next. Okay, so as I stated at the introduction of the show, I'm so excited to have my next guest. Now, this is a guy I met back in October uh, here in Utah at the Your Health Freedom uh, conference and symposium that uh, my good friend uh, Kristen Chevrier put on, and we've been trying to put our schedules together ever since. This is a busy, busy man, especially since especially since all the COVID craziness happened. I'd like to welcome to the show Dr. James Meehan. Dr. Meehan, it is great to have you on the air with me. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me, Jared. It's good to see you again. I hope you've been prospering in the in the time since October, but uh, it, it's great to see you again. Well, I'll tell you, it's been a crazy time for all of us, right? No, yeah. Nobody has been left unscathed over the last couple of years, but those of us on the more uh, health freedom side of things, I guess, have uh, had quite a fight <laughs> that we've been involved in, and I know you've been right at the forefront of that, and I certainly appreciate your efforts. For those listening who are not familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you come from. Well, I'm a medical doctor, MD, trained in the, you know, um, the establishment system, unfortunately, much of which I had to unlearn, but started my career in ophthalmology, um, you know, top of my class, president of my class, went into ophthalmology because I thought it would be the best blend between medicine and surgery. And it's one of the elite subspecialties. So I went into that, but I found myself extremely bored. I did about 10,000 surgeries, made a ton of money, first five years of my career, but I was really frustrated because we had a system that was, you know, rewarding me doing procedures that were at the end, you know, stage of a disease process. So, you know, using a laser to treat a diabetic retina and there was nothing, you know, there was no reward, no incentive, no reimbursement 
to help someone prevent the disease. And I've always, I went into medicine with a firm belief that we should be working on prevention, preventing disease. So I actually, you know, left the, the, uh, I mean, I still practice some areas of ophthalmology, but I went and retrained in multiple areas of medicine, functional medicine, integrative medicine, did a preventive medicine fellowship, nutritional fellowship. I'd always been very interested in nutrition. In fact, the, the summer before I went to medical school, I worked at a local health food store so I could get all my cognition enhancement supplements and all that stuff cheaper and learn something. And then you get into medical school thinking, man, I'm going to become a nutrition expert. And it's about two and a half weeks of, you know, very rudimentary stuff on nutrition. That's why so many doctors, you know, dismiss one of the most powerful tools, which is nutritional supplementation. And I mean, let's forget about diet. They, they teach nothing about you know, um, really good dietary kind of habits. So you have to you have to retrain yourself in those areas. And I did a lot of training, um, interventional endocrinology um, fellowships, all kinds of additional work. And over the last twenty years, I've really practiced in the area of preventive medicine. I believe we should be focusing all of our resources resources on the front end of of the process, helping people to make better choices in lifestyle. You can't eat Krispy Kremes, Mountain Dew, and McDonald's and expect to live, you know, a long, healthy life. And um, started creating, you know, technologies that would facilitate that, you know, apps that would help you to recognize um, the the best next steps in, in optimizing your health. But I'm, you know, I trained in traditional systems. So I went through medical school, went, did a residency in ophthalmology. Um, one of the things that I did during my residency training and a little bit beyond was I was an editor of a medical journal. And I really learned to, you know, and the reason I did that is because I'm always trying to acquire new, you know, skill sets. And one of the things I recognized early in medical school was that doctors don't know how to read medical research. They don't know how to be discerning in it. We've made a lot of mistakes in the history of medicine because, you know, somebody created a, a study that was based on a, you know, poor methodology, too few patients, and that mythology, you know, permeated medicine for the next, you know, 40 years. And there's many examples of that. So I became a medical editor so I could really refine my skills and being discerning, knowing how to analyze statistical methodologies and determine the power of a study. Do they have enough patients to make the come to the conclusions that they come to, um, are they, you know, are, are the authors really just conflicted in their interests? Are they receiving a grant from a pharmaceutical company and they're going to kind of, they're going to be more likely to reach a conclusion that may not be fully supported by the evidence. And the, the, and there's so much of the scientific research is exactly that. And then I had one, um, seminal moment in my, career as a medical editor in which I had two studies that came from other parts of the world, completely um, independent research on a uh, uh, disease process, a, a pathology, retinal hemorrhages in the back of a child's eyes that in ophthalmology and most of medicine are considered the cardinal sign of shaken baby syndrome. And um, But these two studies were saying um, that there is a very strong and compelling argument um, correlation to vaccine injury, that this might be the 12-month battery of vaccines, specifically the MMR vaccine, that
that was implicated in these two studies, and they hit my desk at the same time. Uh, it was a really compelling, good science, checked off all the boxes, no conflicts of interest, large population, good statistics, et cetera. So I recommended them for publication, and um, they were denied. It's the first time I'd had any of my recommended publications denied, so I called a meeting with a senior editor to try to understand what I'd missed. And the, the, the short story here is that there was nothing that I missed. What he said was, Jim, you don't know how the game is played. If we were to publish these two articles, um, which were casting some doubt on vaccines and the vaccine industry and the pharmaceutical industry in general, Merck in particular, the, the manufacturer of the MMR vaccine, that I would lose my job, he would lose his job, that Merck is a major donor to this university, so we're not going to publish those two studies. And that just blew my mind, you know, and it was, it, it, there, there was an argument that followed, but um, I, you know, I was pretty quickly told this is not a hill you want to die on. Um, and, and I, I just walked away from that saying the science is corrupt. It's bought, it's paid for. We're not seeing studies being published if they cast doubt on, you know, some big pharma um, revenue stream generator, some drug vaccine or otherwise. And, um, and that was, that was really, that's kind of what I, I would say kind of defined my career ever since then is I became a, a consummate skeptic, somebody that was empowered with the ability to read the scientific literature, to discern fact from fiction, to see that 85% of the scientific research that we're relying upon to make, um, make big decisions like vaccinating children with the COVID-19 vaccine or something like that, or you know, any number of whether to take Lipitor or some other statin, it's based on industry fabricated, contrived false narratives that the science doesn't support. And it, it's years later that we realized that something, you know, that was like Vioxx, that was supposed to be the best anti-inflammatory pain medicine since, you know, sliced bread, and, he, and it's killing people. The bodies are stacking up. And then the pharma, pharmaceutical industry starts attacking the whistleblowers, trying to silence them. And, um, and so I've kind of spent my career just enjoying shredding, you know, pseudoscience that being published in the medical literature. I was involved in debunking the Lancet study on that tried to try, that was eventually retracted two weeks after it had been published on hydroxychloroquine's negative effects in the treatment of COVID-19. Absolute pure science fiction not a bit of it could have been supported with actual data because it was fabricated. And we see so much of that, Jared. And, and um, so I spent my career trying to reform what I think is almost an unreformable medical, you know, establishment system. It's been designed to push pills on every ill. You memorize a diagnosis and you memorize the drug that's associated with that. That's, that's the Rockefeller medical business model that's been created and it takes, you know, it takes young minds, you know, young minds full of mush that they form in the early years of medical school. <laughs> I call it, you know, it's, it's a process of indoctrination and brainwashing. And many of my, you know, I was older when I went to medical school. I'd serve our country. I went to the United States Military Academy at West Point. I was, I'd, I'd run a business and I was older when I went to medical school. So I think I was less prone to the, um, you know, to the indoctrination process. And I'm not sure I'm even brainwashable. I know you can't hypnotize me. Um, so 
So I just, I, you know, I'm not prone to that kind of stuff. And, and yet I would see, you know, I see so many of those in medicine absolutely demonstrating that they'll conform to any, any pseudoscientific false narrative that, you know, Fauci or the CDC pushes out. And, and the public is suffering from that. They really are. The, the, we have captured regulatory industries that are absolutely, I think they're acting criminally in this time, promoting, you know, the COVID-19 vaccines. And they're not vaccines, they're gene therapies. They're experimenting on the population and now they're coming for our kids. That's unjustifiable in every way. The, the scientific data just doesn't support it. But the only thing that does is you silence voices like mine, like Dr. Malone's, like, you know, Peter McAuliffe, and so many others, you silence them, and then you let the pharma propaganda just rule, you know, rule the day. Yeah, and we've certainly seen more people getting deplatformed and silenced uh, during the last couple of years than we ever had before, I think, in this country. Yeah. And it's it's been interesting. You know, you, you mentioned a few things that I want to uh, jump in on a little bit. First off, it's funny that you said this. It's just sort of a little bit of a side note, but I was in Vegas just a couple of months ago on a quick little vacation and, and went to a hypnotist hypnotist show and they got me up on stage and I, they couldn't get me under either. So maybe, that's right. <laughs> maybe you and I yeah. are uh, cut the same that way. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's actually a studied principle. It's like we're use you know, we're um, people that can't be hypnotized are much more difficult to be misled by this, you know, this kind of fear mongering waves of fear. Um, you're, you're immune to, all forms of manipulation. You're difficult to brainwash somebody like that. So yeah, it's an important feature. It's kind of like, go see if you can be hypnotized. If you're hypnotizable, you need to be very careful about whether you're, you know, watching The View, CNN, or listening to Anthony Fauci ever speak, because right. you're going to be misled by that nonsense. Yeah, well, there's certainly plenty of nonsense out there. I also love that you called some of this science fiction. You know, we've been told to mm -hmm. follow the science, but a lot of us are following science fiction right now. Yeah, and rather yeah. than really following the money and where that science fiction leads, one of the things that I've been talking about on Vitality Radio for years is that we always, always, always have to recognize where's the money behind the science? Uh, where's that coming from? And where are the conflicts of interest? But we don't hear a whole lot about that. Uh, we mainly just hear, well, this is what the science says, and this is what we're going to do. And and then they don't even necessarily report what the science actually says. They put, pick little bits and pieces out and throw them at us uh, as talking points without actually looking at the deeper uh, questions that they're, uh, you know, that they're bringing up. And of course, with the kids and the vaccines, we it seems to me, this is crazy to me. You have to tell me what you think, but mm -hmm. we know, and it's been published. I mean, we, it has been talked about on CNN and MSNBC and Fox and Time Magazine and all these places that kids aren't susceptible to COVID on almost any level whatsoever. And, and that's really not been hidden that much. And yet we're still talking about, you know, pushing these vaccines younger and younger and younger, even though there is quite clearly, and this hasn't, for whatever reason anyway, been censored all that much, no real benefit to vaccinating the kids. Why do you think people are still doing it? What, what's your thought process yeah, on that? It, well, it's it's because it's the messaging, it's the propaganda that's being pushed out that there is, um, I mean, the people that are lining up their kids now and, and hoping for the vaccine to be approved or emergency use authorized for children, they are you could hypnotize them all day long and they've been hypnotized by 
the the pseudoscientific, you know, contrived nonsense that's coming from our public health agencies, public health agencies that are clearly captured by pharma. And I mean, it's, you know, the FDA is absolutely captured by pharma. They receive 46% of their funding from the pharmaceutical industry. 54% comes from taxpayer dollars, but taxpayer dollars is, they're not, they're not um, working in the public interest anymore. They're working in the interest of that 46% that they get from pharma and it keeps going up every year. So you have, you have the FDA who against the screams from the mountaintops of so many scientists and physicians saying, if you approve this vaccine for kids, if you recommend it, CDC, you are absolutely showing your hand. This is criminal activity because children are extremely um, zero risk, statistically zero risk of dying from COVID-19. They don't have the long hauler syndrome. They don't have a lot of autoimmune conditions afterwards. The, any, any study that's ever looked at that, look at who authored it. Look at how many grants they have from Pfizer, Merck, Moderna, and the other cast of, you know, of characters. They're all contrived science. The, the CDC is a place where science goes to die, die today. And uh, I mean, it truly is. They have been publishing their own nonsense. So they have their own journal. It's called MMWR. And that journal is a textbook in how to create really bad misleading science. How when you can't, when every study for a hundred years has shown that masks don't work, um, that the COVID vaccine is, is causing more harm than good. All you have to, all the CDC has to do is go do a retrospective, low level retrospective observational study on hamster cages or Missouri hairdressers, and they'll come up with something else. And when they put it in their journal and they start talking about it, you know, the problem that the public has is they equate all science as, you know, being equal. This study is equal to this study that this, but that's not the way it works in medicine. The hierarchy of, of evidence is such that the, the crap that the CDC produces is down there at the bottom of the pyramid. It's just above expert opinion. It's low-level observational retrospective studies, which are so easily confounded. You can miss, you know, a hundred confounding variables and, and you can do so intentionally to create any result that you want. I could, I could create a, a retrospective observational study that would convince you of, of any nonsense in the world and I could publish it and then I could, you know, message it like it was real. And that's what the CDC does. What real science does is it does, you know, large randomized control trials, controlling for those important variables um, that, that uh, you know, for example, um, where, how much, how long you wear a mask, you know, how well the fit is of the mask. All oh, there's, there's so many different variables in there. How many times you touch your mask? I've seen doctors talking about, you know, the importance of wearing masks. They touch them 11 times. I, I caught one guy at a, um, a, one doctor wearing his, his white coat. I'm wearing mine today just because I finished, wear, you know, seeing patients. But he's wearing it at a public event at a, you know, a city council. He's wearing his white coat, which is meant to protect us and, and kind of stay in the clinic because it's coated with all the germs and, you know, body fluids that it came in contact. And he's wearing that white coat to a public event. Um, and then he's setting up there waiting for his chance to speak and he touches his mask 11 times. 
And so I go up to him and I say, sir, I'm sorry, but you need to be retrained in, in um, PPE wear and hygienic practices because you've touched your mask 11 times. I'm wiping off the the podium that he's just spoke on. And I said, and, and furthermore, you're wearing a jacket that looks like you haven't washed it in two months. And you've worn that into a public event in which you're pretending to speak as some kind of an authority on infectious control pro processes. Ladies and gentlemen, this, this man has no basis from which to speak as he's violated every principle that we're ever taught in medical school. That's the kind of people that you're, you know, that are trying to convince us that masks and hand washing and you know, I mean, hand washing works, but lockdowns and all of the other nonsense they've been pushing on us in which if you look at the science, what they've been doing has never had a basis in science. So what is its basis in? Its basis is in trying to make this pandemic worse. You wear a mask in the face of an infectious disease. You catch those viral particles as your lungs are trying to exhale those. They would drop harmlessly to the ground and be neutralized very quickly. But instead, you catch them on the inside of your little face diaper. And what you're doing is you're breathing those right back into your lungs deep into your lungs and increasing your viral load. Every study that has looked at this with any granularity shows that any any time in any state, any country that did hard mask mandates, they saw an increase in hospitalizations and an, an increase in death. That, that science is not subtle. It's been out there for a hundred years. We studied in influenza. We have two large randomized controlled trials of masks during the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic that say they absolutely do not work. Um, cloth masks never worked. They're increasing disease in the population. Um, they're increasing the aerosolization of that particle as your as the droplets are caught on the inside of your mask. You dehydrate them, shrink them down to aerosolizable particles that just push right through the mask and into the environment and hang for hours. Masks have been that that intervention that people are still you know ridiculously wearing two masks driving by themselves in their car or walking on the you know, in the park, that's, that is a uh, mass formation psychosis. Those people have been manipulated into believing something that is not true is somehow beneficial for them. But the people that are doing it, they're not so stupid that they don't know that what they're doing is causing more harm. It's causing more harm, which is what they want. I hate to say it, but the evidence is, is so clear that they're doing, they're pushing things on the public that are so clearly wrong that the only, you know, you can't just write it off to stupidity. You have to write it. You have to consider malice in this picture because it has been convenient for a lot of, you know, for, po for political reasons, for financial reasons. The rich have gotten richer. You know, the middle class has been destroyed. The, the poor have gotten destroyed and, and you know, made poorer. That there's, there are other factors at play here that have caused them to use anti-science nonsense to increase the severity of the pandemic, the duration of the pandemic. And now we've got, you know, they're doing the same thing with every mitigation strategy. They mislabeled gene therapies as vaccines. And then even as the evidence was rolling in that they were becoming increasingly less effective. In fact, in, in the evidence out of Israel is that the more vaccinated you are, the more likely you are to get infected and have a severe case of COVID-19, especially with the Omicron variants and the subvariants that are being born out of that.
So I, I, I attribute malice. In fact, uh, I'm, I know of a, a large group of doctors that are currently filing affidavits all over the country, um, testifying to the criminality that's been, that's going on, that how our patients are being harmed by many of the actions of public health, the big medicine, the medical establishment, the hospitals mis, misusing remdesivir, my dozolam and, and ventilators, um, just so many aspects. I, I think we need to press criminal charges for some of the things that have been done. Well, I couldn't agree more. And, I, and I'm grateful to you being willing to, to speak so boldly about it because it does, we need more, I guess, for lack of a better term, professional uh, voices uh, speaking right. about this, you know, uh, people from the medical uh, establishment that have the, uh, the uh, credentials that you have to speak about these things. I had uh, Dr. McCullough on the show a couple of times and, and uh, you know, speaking about this as well. And it's, it, it's so, it's, wonderful to me anyway, that it's not just guys that own health food stores like me talking about taking your vitamin D and not worrying about, you know, all of these other measures. Uh, it's good to also have, you know, people in the medical field uh, speaking out like this. And I appreciate it very much. Uh, and, and we have to recognize that these people, guys like, uh, you know, Tony Fauci, he's not an idiot. He's doing yeah. some pretty idiotic things uh, in terms of if his goal was to, you know, slow the spread and prevent infection and all these other things, the way he's going about it is completely backwards, but he's not dumb enough to know, to not know that that's, you know, what he's doing. And I completely concur with you on that. So let me ask you this then, what do you think we have learned uh, what, what would you say are the big takeaways over the last couple of years from this COVID craziness? What can we take away from it that we can use uh, to protect ourselves in the future? Well, we number one, we've learned the importance of, of getting healthy, having an optimal body composition, body mm -hmm. weight. You know, um, the number one risk factor for every chronic disease, but certainly SARS-CoV-2 infections was obesity. So we've got to get moving. We got to start walking, you know, um, I get my patients all started on push-ups, crunches, and squats, you know, as many as you can do and start with 15 seconds, then go to 30 seconds. And then, you know, ultimately about two minutes, maybe after six months, start low, go slow, but it's a marathon to change that, you know, 60 pounds of fat that you've accumulated because of bad diet and mm -hmm. lack of exercise. Um, you know, the, the food is engineered to make us addictive. They put, you know, 22 teaspoons of sugar and a Mountain Dew for one reason, it's to create an addiction and, and to drive sales. But um, we've got to break away from that and we've got to improve our health. The importance of, of our food is, you know, let food be thy medicine. That's, you know, that, that's the Socrates um, kind of warning is let food be thy medicine. But we have become controlled by an industry. Understand that your doctors are manipulated. They're that from the first day of medical school to the last day of their practice, they are they have attractive pharmaceutical reps bringing hot meals and basketball and concert tickets to their office to push drugs upon you, and they they spend seven minutes talking with you most of that time, you know, writing the prescription for an antidepressant, um, a pain medicine, a anxiety medicine, a sleep medicine, a statin, and you know, none of those things are promoting health in the population. You've got to become a scientist of your own health. 
you got to understand that if you got if you have diabetes, if you're obese, get on the internet and start figuring out why you got that way. What are the things that you did wrong and what are the things that you can change? Most of it starts with cleaning up that diet. Stop eating genetically modified foods. That that glyphosate active ingredient in Roundup is destroying your gut microbiome. Mm-hmm. It's setting up systemic inflammation and many of the nutrients that you need, you're not getting from food that's grown in, you know, industrial circumstances. If you're eating, you know, I won't mention the, the name, but industrial chicken that, that sleeps in its own crap is vaccinated um, for multiple vaccines. It's giving antibiotics and growth hormones and all of this Franken chicken stuff that you're eating. That is not, that is not the kind of food that our ancestors ate. Right. We got to get back to cleaning up our food. In fact, we got to start growing more of our own food, growing more of our own chickens, eating, you know, farm fresh eggs and um, free range chickens and, you know, back to the local farmers. The importance of, of key nutrients like, you know, vitamin D, which, by the way, the best way to get it is from the sun. You'll always see Jim Meehan, Dr. Meehan has a tan most of the time because I am trying to get sun every single day to optimize my vitamin D levels. When I can't, I take a good high quality vitamin D3 supplement with K2. For me, it takes 20,000 units to get a 80 to 90, you know, serum level of vitamin D. Really important for, um, for maintaining your immune health. That a lot of the things that we can do uh, must be done to support the health of our immune system. We don't need 72 vaccines being shot into the arms, legs, and multiple limbs of our children over the course of 18 years, because that's what's happening. It's not what happened to you and I, Jared. We didn't get 72 vaccinations, 54 some odd shots over 18 years. That's happened because we let the the pharmaceutical industry run rampant without you know liability for the deaths and the harm that their vaccines have caused. So what have we got? We've got vaccines everywhere. They want to vaccinate us for, um, you know, toxic shock syndrome caused by tampons for opioid dependency because vaccines have special protection and you can't sue them. So they don't have to worry about spending money on um, defending themselves in court when their products harm, you know, the recipient as they are now. I mean, you look at, I'm sorry, I get off on too many tangents. I want to stay on your question. (laughs) The things that we have learned (laughs) during this pandemic. Well, I mean, I, I hate to say it as a member of the medical profession, but one of the things that we've learned is you better stay out of hospitals. You better stay away from doctors that have been indoctrinated and brainwashed who have told any doctor that has told you there is nothing we can do to treat COVID-19, go home until you can't breathe and then go to the hospital. That's a doctor that should be um, retiring, resigning, being terminated from the practice of medicine because we know that we have early treatment strategies that work highly effectively. I've treated over 7,000 patients, um, both in the hospital for multiple weeks, failing on everything they've done in the hospital that would get a a treatment like ivermectin and would walk out in four days after that powerful anti-inflammatory, antiviral, um, anticoagulation effect of ivermectin manifest in their bodies. And they went from oxygen levels that were almost requiring ventilation. They were struggling so severely to four days later, walking out of the hospital on their own without any, you know, respiratory support. That's what happens when you 
treat this disease properly. When you treat it early, the people do not die from COVID-19. Now, you'll still have a significant case of cold or flu-like symptoms, but mm-hmm. you won't have that severe, prolonged, inflammatory process, long hauler. I let me. T- I had COVID. Um, I had Omicron, and it's not pleasant, but it was. Uh, it's not as bad as some flu I've had in the past. But right. I take care of myself. So we have treatments. We have, and a lot of those treatments you can go to Frontline's Critical Care Collaboration, the FLCCC.net, and you can you can see their early treatment protocols. Many of those things you can buy in a health food store. If you know what you're doing and you got a good health food store that can recommend the high quality supplements, vitamin D, zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, um, tell you how to dose that properly. Those vitamin C needs to be taken frequently throughout the day because right. it's water soluble. The fat solubles you want to take with food or especially food that has some olive oil and butter, grass fed butter and some some, uh, you know, avocado or avocado oil, something like that, coconut oil. Um, the fat solubles absorb better when taken with food. These things matter. They don't teach you this in medical school, by the way. I had to learn that um, from that health food shop that I worked in long before <laughs> med- you know, medical school, in fact. So a lot of things, you have more power than you realize, and you need to find the people that are telling you about these solutions. Now, we are being silenced and deplatformed. But a lot of it you can find from, and I'm not, you know, I, I, I think I know and I remember that you own a health food store. Right. Um, I, I think you're, you probably have saved more lives than many doctors working in hospitals have. I guarantee you have, because I, I'm pretty sure that remdesivir will never come in an over-the-counter, you know, <laughs> vial. But Certainly um, not be sold at Vitality it, Nutrition. No, it should yeah. not at your place, Right. Right. So those are, I think those are the main lessons is we have more power. They're trying to deprive us of the knowledge of those important nutrients. And again, it's, they use the medical literature. They'll pay some, you know, doctor to put his name on something that was ghostwritten that says vitamin D, uh, it's not much to vitamin D or C or whatever, whatever they want to try to discredit. They'll just, they'll hire somebody to publish studies on that. Um, you, you got to, you got to understand how the game is being played. They're trying to deprive you of the tools that can save your life. Well, and I believe that really what you hit on that I think is my biggest takeaway from this COVID thing, and it's really something I've been preaching uh, from this microphone for the last 14 years, is that your health is only one person's responsibility, and that is your own, right? right? You can't turn it over to the guy in the white coat, regardless of whether he's a more naturopathic type of a doctor or integrative doctor or a regular MD. It doesn't matter. It's not his responsibility to make you healthy. It is your responsibility to take care of your own health, which means that you, in order to be able to do that effectively, you do have to be uh, empower yourself with knowledge, right? You have to go out and Mm -hmm. learn this stuff. And I believe it behooves all of us to ask one simple question that I've been asking myself more and more the older I get. And that is, what if I'm wrong? You know, what if the things that I believed my whole life uh, when it comes to medicine or for that matter, religion or pick the topic, what if I'm wrong and be open to looking at the other side of things so that you can at least see what the alternative viewpoint is. And then you, you have those two sides of the story. You can reason out what the best approach is. But if you don't even go after the knowledge and you just let it come to you, the knowledge you will gain will be put there as more of an indoctrination than uh, the actual knowledge that you're looking for. So I 
could not agree with you more on that. Uh, yeah, and especially big, big that's especially in this time in in history with the way our technology is is working. I mean, it is the algorithms are designed to suppress your awareness. You know, the disinformation. So you you know, I got kicked off every platform. Um, Facebook kicked me off for sharing uh, three scientific studies that showed that one percent iodine gargles. Um, the Listerine with essential oils, that these antiviral, viral load decreasing gargles and um, nasopharyngeal ir irrigation had shown significant uh, results in clinical studies, but that didn't conform to their narrative. They called that disinformation and it was all, no, no editorialization in the, that post that got me kicked off Facebook. It was just one of many that came directly from peer-reviewed, high-level, good, good science that um, didn't conform to the narrative. And so, most people, if they're using if they're using the wrong platforms to gather their information, that information is is skewed in the direction of conforming to you know the ministry of truth um, kind of approved narrative, and that's yeah. dangerous because they're lying to us. It's bought and paid for, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, you're just becoming a sucker by uh, by only looking at that resource. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So you've been treating uh, patients with COVID. Um, you also have experienced, uh, I imagine, quite a few people with long haulers that are dealing yeah, with Yeah, lots of long hauler. Um, again, the more, the, the less it gets treated early, the more it rages in the body, especially if it's allowed to and even exacerbated by some of the hospital care, the more inflammatory, um, you know, storm that will persist for weeks, if not months after the acute infection. And, um, and so there's this, there is this inflammatory storm that seems to persist because the virus leaves behind a lot of debris that pollute our cells, especially our white blood cells. And some of those white blood cells are holding a, a subunit of the spike protein or some other viral debris as your body, you know, destroyed it, broke it down and tore it into pieces, memorized it, and is preparing to counter it anytime it appears again. But some of those, those viral debris and spike protein subunits will make that white blood cell live longer, um, think it's still fighting a war that it needs to pump out lots of cytokines and inflammatory molecules to um, to kind of fight that war. But the war's over. It's been won, but the the cells are still kind of locked in this battle. And uh, and so you know we do things like high dose omega three, the essential fatty acid that is you can find in fish oil and some botanical sources. But high dose, we're talking about three or four thousand milligrams of the omega-3 component, curcumin, um, you know, the, the active ingredient in turmeric, the, uh, you know, where we get, you know, certain spices like curry, which is a mix of spices, but curcuminoids are the active ingredients in turmeric. And that root is amazing. What it, what, what beneficial anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, anti-cancer, other properties that curcumin provides to the body. When you combine that with the vitamin D, um, zinc, um, melatonin at bedtime. Melatonin has amazing antioxidant, anti-inflammatory properties. And then, you know, some behavioral things like fasting. One of the things that will help your body to rid itself of those 
those overactive immune cells and other damaged cells <coughs> is is fasting. Um, it, fasting and sauna both upregulate up the autophagy system, the the cellular purging of damaged, you know, aberrant cells. And so um, fasting, intermittent fasting, try to constrict your eating window to about six to eight hours the rest of the day in a fasted state with just, you know, water. Um, and then a, a one or two day water fast, as many, you know, times a month as you can do. That will, you do, if you do these, this, you know, protocol of anti-inflammatory supplements like the omega-3s and the curcumins, and um, you do the fasting. And then if you can do sauna, a good 170 degree sauna, that's another thing that upregulates the cellular cleansing mechanism and gets these damaged cells out of your body. And four to six weeks later, they're out of that inflammatory storm that every time they would do a little bit too much exercise would stoke up the fires of inflammation again. But um, it's definitely treatable. Again, treat early and you often have a complete recovery, you know, after the, the initial week or so of symptoms. But um, if it rages, you know, unmitigated under the effects of the nonsense that we're doing in hospitals, it can, it can be a long process to recovery. The other thing, Jared, that I'm seeing a lot of right now is vaccine injuries. This is, this is something that needs to be talked about more is how damaging these gene therapies are to the human body, especially young people. We talked a little bit about the nonsense of vaccinating young children. Um, I mean, the science says we're 133 times more young men will develop myocarditis from the vaccine than they ever would from the virus itself. So let's put that in, in stone, in writing, on the record. The vaccines are going to kill far more children than the virus ever could. But young people are being coerced. And it seems like the younger you are, the more you know significant the injuries are. Um, but these gene therapies are, they lied on every count. Everything that they said what these things would do or would not do is it, the opposite is, is true. Doesn't just stay in the arm. It circulates widely throughout the body. The, the biodistribution studies where they inject the vaccine in an animal and then they see where it travels and they measure the autopsy of the animal and see where the concentrations are. That that Pfizer biodistribution study showed that that vaccine was everywhere in the body, the bone marrow, the brain, the spleen, the adrenal glands, heavy concentrations in the ovaries. Um, and the manifestation of that in real life is ovarian dysfunction. I'm seeing young men and young women's hormones being driven from, I had a 16 year old, uh, a month ago now that had a 800 something, 860 testosterone prior to vaccination. Um, uh, about four weeks after vaccination, his, his testosterone levels had been driven down to 260 and he was really starting to suffer. That, that, watch that story. What I just described there, ovarian testicular dysfunction following vaccination in young people is going to be a sterilizing event. It's going to be um, a health eroding hormone deficiency created by the vaccination. You're going to see, um, you're going to see the the problem we're having with fertility get even worse in the coming years. The other thing that I'm seeing is the explosion in cancers in remission coming out of remission after vaccination. And we now know there's at least six mechanisms through which this vaccine will 
um, inhibit our DNA repair mechanisms. It will inhibit the toll-like receptor system, which is one of the innate immune systems. It's elegant in its design, how the toll-like receptor system allows us to identify not only foreign invaders, but, but aberrant cancer cells. If you diminish the toll-like receptor system, you diminish your anti-cancer, anti-infection system. It, it, it's destroyed by that. So consequently, we're going to see a lot of infectious diseases start to really um, uptick in the population. I think I, I think you could probably say even this monkeypox thing is a manifestation of of course, it's, you know, you want to stay away from international um, sex raves, which is where a lot of that has been being, you know, passed around. But but when when you've got a large portion of the population that's been vaccinated with um, toll-like receptor kind of immune dysfunction creating vaccines, you're going to see you're going to see diseases start to increase in the population. And what's the solution going to be, Jared? What are they going to what is pharma and our FDA and, and public health agencies, what are they going to recommend? More vaccines, more, you know, antivirals, expensive antivirals. And um, so, I mean, I when I look at this kind of stuff, I just can't, I can't not see the, you know, the plan here. I mean, it's, it, and it is a plan. It's everything about this, you know, this wargaming of these, these pandemics has been, you know, 10 plus years in the making. And, um, and it's like following a script. Uh, I mean, even the monkeypox thing was, was war gamed out in what, 2019. And, um, in the war game, they even predict the monkeypox would emerge in May of 2022. I mean, it's, it's almost like it's so, it's so ridiculous. It's unbelievable. And it's, and yet it's right there in print. They, it's all there. They, they, they gave us the documents or they left the documents available for discerning yeah. researchers to find. So, but of course that's all misinformation, Jim. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's all misinformation <laughs> Even if until it's true, a year it's later gets confirmed to be true. Yeah. yeah. And then exactly. it's still misinformation. Uh-huh. Yeah. If, 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 if it disagrees with the narrative. So then <laughs> it's with the, of course I have a very personal interest in the vaccine injury uh, scenario, uh, working with react 19 and, and doing the dearly discarded podcast at this point. Um, you mentioned what you recommend for long haulers. What are you doing to help people who've had vaccine injury then? Is it similar yeah, well, or? Yeah, it, it actually is very similar. Okay. In fact, you know, one of the things that we need to understand is, um, you know, one of the lies that we were told is that the spike protein, that this the gene therapies and this mRNA would only produce spike protein for about two to three weeks. So a short duration and then the mRNA would be broken down. Well, Study after study is showing persistence of spike protein production circulating widely in the body for months after vaccination. The spike protein is the big mistake. We made the mistake of choosing that as the target of the mRNA, you know, hijacking of our transcription system. Our bodies pumping out spike proteins is a serious problem. The spike protein by itself can create all the pathology that the virus does. The spike protein sets in sequence that cascade of events. The only thing it can't do is replicate itself, but it doesn't have to because the mRNA is essentially hijacking our intracellular processes to replicate it endlessly for months upon months. So having laid that groundwork, 
you got to block the spike protein. One of the best tools that we have to block the spike protein is the drug ivermectin. Ivermectin will bind to the spike protein and intercess between it and the ACE2 receptor. It's one of the mechanisms of action. Um, What it doesn't block, it also has the anti-inflammatory, a a very potent anti-inflammatory effect to decrease the inflammatory cascade that gets created. And it also has an anticoagulation effect. So it's a, at, you know, it's a 20 in one, but it's at least a three in one kind of um, medication that can diminish the severity of that vaccine, that spike protein production that is just floating freely, causing all kinds of trauma in the body. Um, you know, the most important thing is avoid it, 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 absolutely avoid it. File a religious exemption, get a medical exemption. If you've had, if you've had a case of COVID-19, vaccinating somebody that's naturally recovered and naturally immune is absolutely ridiculous. It's there is insane. no, yeah. no, um, you know, base point, no standpoint from which that would make sense. The most powerful immunity in the human body is natural immunity. Your, your body has seen the entire virus inside, outside, ripped it into shreds, memorized every little epitope, little fraction of it, and is sitting there, um, holding that memory ready to pump out, uh, antibodies and mountain immune response, like a bunch of Navy SEALs jumping on a bad guy when that anything that looks like SARS-CoV-2 appears again. That means you could, that variant could, you know, you could have a hundred variants a hundred years from now and your immune system will still recognize some portion of that virus and shut it down fast, hard, just like the young people that naturally recovered from the Spanish flu in 1918. 90 years later, they still had robust T and B cell markers. They would their their immune system still retained memory of that infection and would have shut it down should it have ever appeared in their life again. Maybe it did, but their immune system shut it down. Yeah, and that's something we we have to we absolutely have to lock into our memories is that our immune system is by design uh, capable of doing just that, of creating that natural immunity and that lifelong uh, defense that no vaccine can match and never has matched. Never has matched. Yeah, no, no, nothing even, even close. comes close. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, and quite honestly, we're doing vaccines wrong. You know, our body is designed to encounter pathogens at the level of the mucosa. It's designed to start with IgA response at the level of mucosa. If you bypass that, you know, if you bypass that natural exposure mechanism, you create a weak, transient, uh, you know, form of immunity that is just ineffectual in the long term. And and even worse, when you combine that, you know, these, you know, live and attenuated and and other forms of vaccination, you're shifting the immune system into in, a place where it's hyper autoimmune, hyper inflammatory, hyper allergic responses. We're creating so many unintended consequences from the vaccine program, which, which is number one, it's based on it's it's based on fraudulent um, belief that vaccines were the the reason that diseases started to appear in the population. It was sanitation, right. it was refrigeration, it was clean water. Um, you know, we've given credit to the wrong, you know, to the wrong agents. It wasn't vaccines; it was all those other things. And then we've followed up on that by not doing gold standard science, just like they're not doing gold standard science in this COVID-19 vaccines. 
it's been a problem for decades. As a medical editor, I can tell you that none of the childhood vaccines were tested to the level of rigorous gold standard randomized controlled studies with inert placebos. They use other vaccines as their control group. That's right. not a control group. That's a masking of the adverse events. Until we have done a true you know, vaccinated versus unvaccinated study, until we start following mortality, not antibody production, we're not doing real real science. We're doing we're using soft endpoints about antibody production and pretending that the vaccines are you know you know treating ending some kind of disease process. They're not. They're increasing the disease in the population. Why do we have so many children in the United States, one of the most vaccinated populations on the planet, already suffering from one of 21 chronic diseases at rates that exceed any third, any many third world countries. We're the worst in all the first world countries. And it's because we're not considering the fact that there might be some interaction or some combination of these vaccines, 54 vaccines, 72 different antigens over the course of 18 years of life that is creating unintended consequences and mortality and morbidity. And the, the, some of the leading experts in this field, Peter Abi, who's vaccinated millions in, in Africa, Guinea-Bissau, he says the DPT vaccine has been killing people, young, young children in Africa and Guinea-Bissau. And that was one of the few you know, um, vaccinated versus unvaccinated studies that they've seen. And he even said a couple of years ago, early 2019, um, we don't we we don't understand how vaccines are working in the population. He studied mortality and started to realize that we are doing things that are increasing the mortality um, by by about ten times in in uh, female vaccinated patients, young young women in Guinea Bissau dying at a rate ten times higher than the unvaccinated. We have multiple observational studies that have shown the same thing. So that's kind of an aside, but you know, my, my, uh, my, you know, my mission has been to bring some light to the fraud and the corruption that is enriching a pharmaceutical industry and all of their minions, but it's causing harm in the population. And you can't look at the health statistics in the United States of America and say, we're doing something better than any other country when we are definitely doing so many things wrong. We're spending more money on, on medical care in this country. And we're, we're, you know, very low performing, um, worst in first world country, you know, the worst last place in first world countries. Right. And of course, if you listen to any administration, they're going to say, well, we just need, you know, we need free health care for everyone. We need more health care. We need more vaccines. We need more of all these things. And they're not looking at the actual underlying cause of of all of this illness, much of the underlying cause coming from more medicine, right? Yeah. And so we have, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot to unwind. And for people that maybe are a little less familiar with uh, the types of things that we're talking about, one thing that you could uh, do is jump back on uh, Vitality Radio on the podcast and check out the episode I did with Dr. Paul Thomas, where he talks about the 10,000 patients in his practice and what he's seen vaccinated versus unvaccinated. It's fascinating stuff and and very, very telling. Uh, so I, I'm taking you right up against the, the time limit here, uh, doctor, but I do want to ask you, it be, because I want to make sure we get through at least this last part for those listening who 
have been affected or know people who have been affected by these COVID vaccines. So you mentioned ivermectin. You mentioned the same things that we're doing with uh, for long haulers, the anti-inflammatory things, natural anti-inflammatory things. Are there any mm-hmm. other specific therapies or uh, things that you've found to be successful for people that are dealing particularly with the neurological issues that have come along with uh, COVID-19 vaccination? Yeah, well, one of the... Um when the when the vaccine does cross the blood brain barrier, and it does, it, that's one of the features of the lipid nanoparticles, its ability to enter the brain. One of the one of the um, there is a one of your sex hormones. In fact, the grandmother or grandfather of all your sex hormones is called pregnenolone. Pregnenolone mm-hmm. is a um, a neural steroid that has anti-inflammatory benefits and properties. That br- when you have brain fog, mental confusion. Um, you know, lack of concentration, your that that pregnenolone is needs to be replaced. Um, I personally take 60 milligrams three times a day, especially when I'm going through stress. Now that's not that's a that's during a stressful time. That's what I took when I went when I had COVID because okay. I, I felt the brain effects of Omicron. It mm-hmm. was and I'll tell you it was pretty miserable. But um, I can't imagine what the vaccine is like because the vaccine can pass the blood brain barrier easier than the virus can. Right. And, and so I would, I would get, make sure I'm getting those anti-inflammatory, um, uh, magnesium, the, the fish oils, all the things that we talked about, but pregnenolone can be really helpful in that picture. We learned a lot about pregnenolone from traumatic brain injury in our veterans. Um, and, and it's benefits in decreasing the severity of the PTSD kind of that follows traumatic brain injury. Um, the other thing is, if you get vaccinated, get your hormones checked because you're probably going to find if you compared it to the year before, or two years before, if you've ever had your hormones checked, you're probably going to find that you're at about 20 to 25 percent of your previous levels. That vaccine is hitting the ovaries and the testicles hard. And then when your hormones go, you know, you go from let's say you're 40 years old and you had a you had a six, seven, eight hundred total testosterone as a male and then you're at 200, you're going to feel like you're 80, 90 years old. You're going to have no energy. Your your repair and recovery mechanisms are going to be crushed. So get your hormones looked at and, uh, you know, contact Frontline's Critical Care, um, that React 19, the the group that you, I think you're a part of, Jared, mm-hmm. that is, there. there's lots of good resources out there for you. Do your research. Find somebody that knows how to treat it. I'm I can treat people in about 26 states. Call me at mehanmd.com, M-E-E-H-A-N-M-D.com. And um, I can help, you know, point you in the direction of the solutions that you need. But you can recover from this. We got to just hold that spike protein at bay until the mRNA is exhausted and broken down, protect you from the immune suppression and the the cancer causing aspect of it until your body is eradicated, but know that your body has an unlimited potential to heal itself. If we would just, you know, something I always say is when science, when scientists and doctors dare to assume the role of God, they do the devil's work. We got to get, we got to, we got to let God do what he's done so well. He gave us a a great immune system, the ability to heal. We just got to, you know, keep the scientists and doctors from messing with it so much. I couldn't agree more. Oh, it's like uh, talking to myself part of this. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I really, really appreciate your time. I know that you're uh, you're tight on time, and we're running up against that schedule, so I don't want to uh, abuse that. Uh, there's a hundred other questions I'd love to ask you, but maybe we can do this again. Let's do it again. Uh, sometime. Let's do it again. Yeah, there's a, there's lots of topics to talk about on here, and I'm sure there'll be something new as our as our enemy <laughs> continues to try to burn our nation to the ground, just so they can yeah. rule over the ashes. Yeah, absolutely. There will be new things on the horizon. We've all got to get our, our guard up and be ready. Hey, Dr. Meehan, I sure appreciate your time today for sure, but really what you're doing to spread the word of truth and doing it as fearlessly as you do. I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much for joining me on Vitality Radio. God bless you, Jared. Back at you. All right. So that was Dr. Jim Meehan. Thanks to him for his time. I know he's a very, very busy guy as uh, one of not nearly enough doctors that are actually treating people uh, with long haulers issues, with COVID vaccine issues, as well as COVID itself in the early treatment. Uh, he is very, very busy. I really appreciate the hour he spent with us. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have questions about anything you heard on Vitality Radio, of course, give us a call, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or check us out at Vitality nutrition.com. That's vitalitynutrition.com. We'll take care of you wherever you are. Thank you so much for listening. If you like, like what you hear, go tell somebody about the Vitality Radio podcast. And if you haven't given it a chance yet, go listen to Dearly Discarded Podcast, my new podcast where I highlight the stories of people who were injured during the COVID uh, pandemic. Thank you so much for listening to me. This has been another episode of... Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. React 19 needs your support. We're a grassroots nonprofit created by the COVID vaccine injured for the COVID vaccine injured. React 19 provides physical support through scientific research and physician referrals, financial support to those most in need for uncovered medical expenses, and emotional support by growing a community that's focused on compassionate advocacy, hope, fellowship, and improving lives. We can only do these things with your support. Your donation is tax deductible and any amount is greatly appreciated. You can also sign up for automatic monthly donations. The vaccine injured have been marginalized, censored, and discarded, but they have not been broken. Help them rise to the challenge today. Visit react19.org for more information or simply text the word REACT to 50155 and donate via text. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. The FDA has not evaluated this podcast. 
This podcast is provided with the understanding that information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for care by a medical professional. Thank you.